This is the Convo Lounge. Expression, exposure, experience. Welcome to the second uh, season of the Convalanche podcast. Uh, my name is Yandi Lenuku, and uh, this is a special season where we're going to be focusing on the mining industry as well as the creative uh, industry. And I'm um, joined in studio by an amazing guest. I'm a big fan, always been a big fan, been following her journey think for more than 10 years now, uh, joined uh, on set by Marang Seloloani. And uh, Marang, welcome to the Convalosh podcast. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm excited because um, I've been following your work for some time now. And I think you're a brilliant orator and thinker. And I think you have so much to offer that you're already giving to us. And it's so exciting to watch you carve out a space for yourself that I think is untapped, but has so much fruit to bear. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to see you eat that fruit up because Aww. it's yours and it's from God and you do it with so much ease. And that's how you know it's, it's a gift. Thank you so much. Um, I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. Uh, this is meant to focus on you, but thanks. I mean... Um, I draw a lot of inspiration from people like you. Uh, I've seen your journey from obviously when you're a toddler and also a toddler as well. But it's been really great to see how you've transitioned to where you are. And I know we've had this conversation off the, off the record. Yeah. We're going to be focusing on the creative economy, but trying to use your life as a case study or your career to learn some insights that we don't usually get mm. um, on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, let's start with this. Let me not define you and talk a little bit about your background. I know you've morphed and emerged into something different now. Yeah. Um, a lot has changed. How do you describe uh, Marang Sololwani? What are you up to now? Marang Sololwane is a multi-hyphenate. Let's start there. Okay. Um, she's a founder of Zazi, which is an eyewear line. She is a creative economy specialist. She is a seasoned media personality, both traditional and digital media. That's a, a summary of who Marang Sololwane is in this season. That sounds like a lot. Um, <laughs> And that, but there's th harmony. But exactly. Yeah. So, but that's not a conventional. I don't think you were when you're young. You you said I want to be, yeah, a creative economy specialist. I want to be. Yeah, it all just came along. Yeah. Um, let's talk about your spiritual journey and that process. How has it played a role in all of this emergence of the different facets of Mara? Yeah, that's a brilliant question. Um, and I think sometimes when we think career, we don't tie it with spirituality. Mm. But, and I think, again, off record, I think we've had multiple conversations on spirituality and how it has to be the backbone of career because mm. a lot of it comes from God. You know, I have found that the things that I've been successful in are closely linked to what I think is my purpose, <laughs> which is communicating, connecting, and storytelling. It's sharing knowledge. It's sharing what I know. And I believe, and I don't know if it comes across, okay. but when I do it, it feels like I do it with ease. Mm. And that's how I'm able to identify the things that I enjoy mm. and the things that I'm that I think I'm good at. Okay. <laughs> but um, through conversations with, you know, various people, they at least do agree that, okay, the specific things that I'm I do with ease, yeah. I, I actually really am good at. And I think that's purpose. I think your purpose really is tied down with 
um, what you do with complete comfort. Mm. You speak, Yandi. That's why I can say to you, you give us, you offer us this gift all the time. And I'm sure there's a lot of prep that goes into it. Yeah. Mm. Um, there's a lot of praying that goes into it. And then when it comes down to it, you do it with comfort. Yeah. And of course, you'll make mistakes in the delivery sometimes. But I think, you know... Even those mistakes sometimes are often overlooked. You're just yeah. hard on yourself, yeah. you know, because there is a bit of um, I want to do my best and I want to deliver my my purpose um, at the best possible level. But yeah, spirituality has been an an enormous part of building the work. I almost said the brand, mm-hmm. but I'm also learning to say the business. Okay, because Marang is a business. Mm-hmm. Marang Sololwane is a business, and I recognize that. And I only started realizing this maybe in the past couple of years um, with the emergence of digital content creation and now also having to build systems that facilitate this gift to actually be commercial Mm. um, and generate income for me. So I pray. I pray. And I always say this. I pray when I send out a quotation. I pray when I send out an invoice. I pray when over my proposals. I pray before meetings. And I always find that what's meant for me comes your comes way. my way yeah it's it's crazy like it's like i'll sit during maybe towards the end of the year and, I, and it's usually towards the end of the year and i write the projects that i want to be engaged in in the next year mm-hmm. who i want to work with it may not be all of them within that year but this just it just flows it's like oh god you know i'll get a call from this person or or over lunch hmm. at one of the restaurants, you know, it'll be, oh, I saw your work or, hey, let me introduce you to so-and-so. And then there's a campaign that comes out of it or a speaking engagement or whatever partnership that comes out of it. So I know that my my footsteps are directed by God. Nice. Yeah. I totally relate with that. And I think what I remember is, you know, the saying that says, write your vision down. Although it may tarry, shall shall it shall come to pass. And I think seven, eight years ago, I had a brand list mm. uh, that I want to work uh, with uh, as Yandide Nuku. And um, it, seven, eight years later, like, it's actually happening. <laughs> yeah. Like you're saying, they come to me, I don't come to them. So I totally relate. So the reason why I asked you about spirituality, and I'm glad you mentioned purpose, mm. is because I see you in a space where you have your own niche. Um, in terms of whether you're in an educator, because we're here to talk about that. Yeah. You actually didn't mention that. <laughs> yeah. You know, you've taught some students in the creative sector. Yeah. I've graduated yeah. four classes. See, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, you've you, now you're about to complete your master's, specializing in the creative economy. There has to be something there around, you know, purpose that keeps helping you to be unique um, in the market. And I know a lot of people don't know what that purpose is, yeah. you know, uh, so it's also a blessing to know what your purpose is at an early, um, you know, stage. My purpose, I think, is to encourage. Mm. And I'll tell you how I found out what my purpose is. I don't know how you found out. Okay. I was at a bookstore, Nikolai Exclusive Books, and someone says, oh, can you please help me? She thought I worked at Exclusive Books. Mm. It was before I even got into radio. And I said, um, sorry, I don't work here. I didn't even look at her. She turned. She's like, oh my goodness, what a huge voice in a small body. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Yeah. Anyway, then I left. And then a few months later, I get to be on radio. Mm. Um, I'm told I'm going to start hosting radio. Even if people know about the story, cut the long story short. I then discovered that, oh, I have a voice. Like, mm. there's something about my voice, right? 
And it's been a spiritual journey to learn that, okay, yes, the voice is like the aesthetics. Yeah. But I've got a purpose of encouraging and that's the difference between action and inaction. And in business and strategy is the difference between strategic planning and implementation. Mm -hmm. So it's like a a light touch of small things that made me realize what my purpose was. And now I actively use it in my different fields. Yeah. I don't know about you. How did you identify that, you know, your purpose is to connect, uh, to tell stories? I think it was a series of, well, it, it, it came from a series of non-related things just connecting and the through line being educating Mm -hmm. and communicating Mm -hmm. um and teaching Mm -hmm. so and i think about just the word influencer that it's a label that has been thrown at me and i suppose it's because it's the current you know marketing trend and it's but i but in in that I look at the fact that, and we'll come back to the, the term influencer. I look mm. at the fact that I spent four years teaching mm. and I just, I just never saw myself in that space. And then I look at, and I, and I think I did pretty good at it. I was good. I, I enjoyed it um, until life, God said onto the next, mm. you know, you have served your purpose here or you have given your purpose enough here. Um, let's take it elsewhere. But I also look at my brand work, my digital content work. Most of it is in line with teaching, imparting knowledge, whether, and it's across industries, the different industries that I, I work with or part the the organizations from the various industries that I partner with. Um, if you look at the medical aid company that I worked with, it was imparting knowledge around medical aid schemes, right? Available to young professionals. And I'm also clear on who my audience is mm-hmm. and the type of content that I produce is at most times for them. And mm-hmm. that is primarily young adults navigating work, career, navigating personal so family, navigating now motherhood mm-hmm. and trying to retain self, um, develop self and ultimately just live out your your life's purpose. So the content that now I, I focus on and I enjoy making is around how do we how do we bring convenience to our lives as young professionals? How do we live better? live well, work smart, you know, in our spaces. So even when you're talking about my partnerships with um, the asset management company that I worked with a couple of years ago, now it was about the fact that now I'm a mother Mm -hmm. and I want to learn, I want to understand where I can take my money. Um, And I also understood, again, part of my brand ethos is simplifying complex um, services and products that are often deemed elitist, um, that the entrepreneur, anyone from the formal sector may not have easy access to or wouldn't know where to find. And yeah, that's, 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 I think part of my, my, my gift is accessing information and imparting knowledge with whoever gives me the audience, you mm-hmm. know, my community. Yeah. Um, by the way, I remember, uh, you know, some of the brands that you've worked with. I think uh, you also worked with the medical aid. On the outside, it didn't seem so strategic. Like, 
what what I the first impression that I had was like oh my goodness so she's going to make money with like every phase of her life like I was <laughs> like, like wow that. I was like Something wow like that. I'm like wow I need to think about my life a little bit differently you know so yeah um kudos to you to know that yeah, thank there's you. so much intentionality behind yeah. it and thought process going to go for a quick break and uh, when we come back we now get into like um the more deeper insight side of it you know she's not just a creative uh, she's been an educator but what are some of the lessons that she's learned in industry both as an out caller and industry leader in the space uh, but also as someone who's dealt with students that were meant to become mm. uh, employable after they graduate so stick around this is the convo lounge expression exposure experience have a business advertise with us reach us at info at the convo lounge dot africa or plus two six seven seven six five one triple nine two convo lounge expression exposure experience Welcome back uh, to the second half of this conversation where we're talking to Marang Sololoane, talking all things uh, the creative economy um, and its value chain. Um, so yeah, let's jump into, you know, the deeper insights of your experience. I find it interesting that you got into industry at a very young age. You can share the specific age um, and, you know, you've evolved through the times. You're currently now specializing as a creative economy specialist. I think maybe tell us a little bit about, you know, what you're currently doing in terms of research, what, mm. what, where you're focusing in your master's and we'll talk about how you got there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I started off on television at 11 and right now I'm venturing into policy. You know, I think in my two decades of being in the space, there have been many observations around just the ecosystem within the space, the creative sector and the gaps. And I also understood that for there to be, for, for me to be able to affect change and legitimize my skill would be to go the education route, which, you know, you know, you know how, um, third world countries I'll, I'll leave it to third world mm. countries we generally really value education right and for you to be deemed a professional and a thought leader you have to have the educational backup mm -hmm. right and that's why I decided to now study my master's in cultural policy and management okay. um, in order to be able to focus on developing policy in Botswana um, of course, uh, across the continent and the world, but start at home because this is where I practice and this is where I recognize there's a need for for rehabilitation of the sector. Okay. Um, and there's so much work that I think needs to go into capacitating the sector, mapping the sector, valuing the sector, valuing the economic develop economic contribution of the sector to the country um, you know how do we specialize now within the creative space because I think just because creativity in itself is subjective mm. it's also very hard to say someone is an expert you know so those are some of the challenges that I that I'm that I'm investigating but currently my paper is on television policy and intergovernmental relations um, between the various 
government organs that oversee the television sector. So my interest right now is in policy that governs television. What was the problem statement for that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be spicy. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So I so there is a, a a policy gap. Okay. In the sector, so most of what we have now is a sector that's governed by multiple pieces of um, guidelines or frameworks or legislation, and you find that it's the outdated national um, policy on culture. You see, <laughs> I don't. I don't want to be too technical, but basically, no, 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 no. keep going. Basically, please don't let my face confuse you. We are keep being um, the the sector is governed or regulated by multiple frameworks, okay. right? That overlap and sometimes um, speak to different mandates, right? Okay. And then you have a sector that is or television, state media that is managed from. Initially, it was two different ministries, mm-hmm. right? So I'm interrogating the mechanisms that have been put in place to collaboratively manage those two stations. But while, funny enough, while I was writing this paper, um, now TV was then removed from the DSCV bouquet and now we have the multiple um, BTV channels. And I'm looking at the relationship between the Ministry for State President, Department of Broadcasting Services and the Ministry of Youth. Mm-hmm. So... I can tell you're being very diplomatic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let me press and provide some context. Because, you know, yeah. when you're doing your research, you you don't want... I'm open. Mm. I'm open to seeing where the research will conclude or take me. Mm. I think as a researcher, you kind of try to try stay away from bias. Try to remove yourself off of bias. Yeah. Um, just so it's a balanced argument. Argument. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. I think that's an important uh, piece of work that you're doing. I mean, I'm currently working at the mass media complex, um, hosting the morning group on RB2. And one of the things that I'm currently champion, mm. championing uh, ideas is the need to privatize the mass media uh, complex, right? I know you're speaking policy and yeah. all that, but let me just speak from like a grassroots level as somebody who's who's in the sector. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the reasons why I feel like uh, it needs to be privatized is just this, the idea that the way that public sector functions is different from the way private sector Absolutely. functions. Private sector will be consistently interested in a return on investment ROI, for yeah. ROI. Um, Rewarding excellence. So if it's public sector, it's a public good. Mm. And so it's just more of disseminating information. And national identity. Uh, and I think that, you know, like you're saying, which is bringing me to my next point, we're going to have to define what we mean by... The creative economy. The creative economy, but also the management of cultural assets, I think you Mm -hmm. said. Um, What is that? You know, my overall thought is that as Botswana, if the mass media complex was to be privatized, we could create jobs not just for ourselves as Botswana, but literally be the creative hub in Africa. Um, so yeah, define that for us. What is what is it actually? So the so the creative economy, you know, there are a lot of buzzwords. I think mm-hmm. as as we're evolving and industries are also being innovated or or evolving into other things, we come up with new areas altogether. Mm. And the thing with the creative sector, it's it's one such case where initially it de- and it depends market to market, but generally speaking, the creative industries are, you know, it's an industry of activities that are around, or the core of them, at the core of them is creativity, it's talent, it's skill, 
it's any activity where wealth or income can be generated through intellectual property. Mm-hmm. So it's any activity that is protected by copyright, by trademarks, by patents. So that initially would be well initially at the start of what we now know as the arts or the cultural and creative sectors. Um, it was, you know, the heritage um, activities. So the heritage sites, the museums, the theaters, as a structure, and then you have. traditional forms of art the visual arts performing arts and now with digital technologies you have now evolved we've now evolved into or now include advertising architecture mm. so all those um activities you, you would consider part of the creative industries they're all rooted in cultural production mm. um so now when it comes to the economic part of it at some point governments recognize that these activities are contributing to the economy and you have sophisticated countries or sophisticated systems like the hollywood system the film industry in america which long started valuing um the contribution of you know the, that sector to mm-hmm. its economy and then later on you had the french joy and you had you know the british also make the, their own discoveries and that's how we ultimately arrive at the creative economy mm. you know what is the economic justification of or contribution of the creative sector mm. and for us in Botswana what we recognize as the CIs or creative industries uh, that includes all those in, that would include heritage like i already mentioned um the arts so visual and performing arts media this is both traditional and digital media and then you have the service oriented um activities that's advertising that's um uh, marketing okay advertising is marketing that's architecture so they're different areas or industries within this economy that contribute financially to mm-hmm. our gdp which they do How do you manage your mind? Um you are, I know it's a difficult question but uh, How do you ma- how do you get me, there? Yeah, let me tell you how yeah. I'm asking this question. You move from being on television as a young person. Uh your role there is just to show up. I don't know if you had a script. I did. Right? Yeah, I you did. had a script and then you moved into um the digital space as well. The order might not be sequential. Mm. You move into the digital space and in here you are an entrepreneur. You're also learning how to manage a team. You're also dealing with clients. Yeah. You're like a content service provider. Yeah. And then you also moved I love that content service provider. Yeah. Listen. <laughs> you're too good with your words. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then you moved into teaching. Yeah. You tell us more about what you were actually teaching. Mm. Uh the skill set, the mindset moving from being a, an entrepreneur service provider or the, the 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 talent in industry, you're not just instructing, right? Uh, but you're also having practical insights from industry. Now you're switching to policy <laughs> advisory and again, it seems like it's far-fetched, but we can strongly tie it to where you started at yeah. 11, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um I feel like you're like a solution to many things here. Um in the academic world we speak about the huge gap between theory and pr- industry practice and you were in a role where you were teaching uh with that prior experience mm. how do you manage your mind in terms of all these different roles that you're playing and for all of it to make sense somehow 
I hope you have an answer for no. that. <laughs> you know what? My mind works in mind maps, mm. actually. Mm. Um, how do I manage my mind? Jeez, it's such a difficult question to answer because even I don't know. Okay. I, I, And that's why I'm going to go back to our our conversation on spirituality and doing certain things with ease. Um, I think I... I I enjoy what I do. So I enjoy taking in knowledge. I enjoy watching content. I enjoy speaking to Yandile. I enjoy people. And I get so much knowledge and wisdom from interacting with people. So much so that it, it excites me and invigorates me when it's time for me to do the many things that I do. Mm-hmm. So if it's teaching, I look forward to, you know, being with my learners. And, and I've always said I have, I want a space where there's collaborative learning. You know, I'm learning as I'm teaching, you know, you're teaching as you're learning. And I think that's just been my approach with everything that I do in these different facets. But it's really also come from the fact that I, for some reason, I just see I'm a long game girl. Mm -hmm. I'm a long game girl. I'm a legacy girl. That much I know about myself. I'm willing to put in the hours to study. I'm willing to put in the hours to figure things out. I'm willing to call Yandile and say, Yandile, um, I don't know what I'm doing here. I need your help. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's on a personal level, professional level, mm-hmm. and it's really helped me manage my mind because then some things I don't have to struggle with because I know we're speaking about having a board of directors. I have yeah. a board of directors in my life who I run all my ideas through, you know, whether it's content, whether it's my policy work, whether it's Tati, I have, I have someone who, who has information exactly. who I know will know, will help me figure this thing out, whatever it is I'm grappling with in that moment. So mm-hmm. I think I manage my mind because I have people who help me manage it. Hmm. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. Let's close it with this. Um, let's talk about the creative economy. Um, I think we've touched a bit on value chain, but feel free to touch on that. Mm-hmm. And more broadly, it's ecosystem. Uh, your general thoughts on this? What's missing? Uh, what do we need to work on? Um, yeah. I think my observation with the creative sector is the inability to professionalize the sector mm-hmm. or to recognize it as an incoming um, income generating economic contribute or economy contributing sector mm. and I think it's because majority of the sector and this is not unique to Botswana it's actually you know, across the the continent, majority of the sector sits within the informal. And informal sector, of course, is unregulated, untaxed, therefore very difficult to measure. Mm. So when it comes down to now, okay, so where's the data to support why private sector needs to come in or chip in or invest in the sector it's very difficult to show to present mm-hmm. um same thing with with government um you know we don't we don't have the best research data collection systems mm. in Botswana um and in doing my research um i realized Again, like I said earlier, policies are outdated. So no one knows what to do from where and who needs help. Just simple mapping studies. If we're talking about the contribution of the various key players, so that's the ministries, that's the actual um, cultural or creative producers, that's private sector, you know, how who 
what role do they have individually? And I look at, for example, the private sector, maybe if we could have tax incentives to encourage them to invest in in the sector, that would be great. Um, you have different examples across the continent where governments, I mean, there's the, there's Vanza, which is the visual arts um network in South Africa that's collaborating with the British Council as well to have access to, and the EU actually, to have access to the EU market. So that's trade access, you know, and promoting dialogue between South Africa. These are just examples, South Africa and the EU, right? Mm-hmm. You have um, the a, a, one of the leading banks in Nigeria that are leading mapping studies in collaboration with the British Council mm-hmm. um, in order to, be, to determine who the players are in the sector and their needs and challenges and what the solutions needed for them are. So these are some of the examples we can use Mobotswana, you know, simple examples like that. There's so much information on um, what needs to be done. I said earlier, just a simple mapping study. Yarona, Jorge, who does what way? Um, the 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 musicians, the visual artists, the advertising space. Who? How many people are they are they employing? You know, such the statistics. Quite a lot of the data is outdated. I remember reading recently that um, in 2020, 24,000 jobs were created by the sector, Mm. most of which were welders and carpenters, who we do consider part of the sector, followed by tailors and dressmakers, Mm. then advertising and marketing. Mm. That just twisted my mind. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. so that's just something to throw in. I think in 2018, Bitbuck also carried out um, research on the study of what they call corporate-based. I'm sorry, copyright-based industries mm-hmm. and their contribution to the GDP. In 2018, it was sitting at 20. Actually, that was for 2016. It was sitting at 5.46 percent. Mm. That's the sector. Which, which was more than what agriculture brought in, which was slightly lower than that. So when you have such information, but that was 2016, mm-hmm. right? That was pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. Where's the data for now and what's happening right now? But I mean, I look forward to seeing what the National Arts Council will do. Um, they knew they are, I, I, right now they um in, while they're developing strategic partnerships, I see with with other markets or other creative economy spaces and organizations in other parts of the world. So I look forward to seeing what those exchanges will bring for us here. And it is important that we not that we not mimic global south mm. because I think the African market has its nuances. It would be lovely to see banks come in and. Um, support the industry through I don't know just like financing models that speak to the nuances of the sector Mm -hmm. you know so yeah that's 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 my take on the challenges that I see and examples of other African markets um, that are collectively coming into to bring vibrancy to Mm -hmm. their spaces I think we're on the right track. Um, I know the National Arts Council of Botswana has released um, or opened a a call for applications Mm -hmm. uh, for creatives, whether they want to host festivals or capacity building initiatives. But I think I also saw an element of research. Mm. So I think in this case, it's also just an element of self-agency from the individuals in industry themselves who's going to stand up and champion the idea of researching Mm. um, to identify all those. But even speaking on that, as as a creator of ourselves and I always say this I speak to my musician friends Mm. I speak to my 
friends in acting or whatever and i always say guys you have to educate yourself on the business mm. like you have to treat yourself as a business mm. that's why i said earlier i don't want to use an, the word brand i want to use business marang mm. you have to start you know you have to implement systems around you or develop systems around you that allow you to perfect the actual craft mm. while commercializing from the craft mm. in a way that the mining sector would do mm. or you know the agriculture sector would do because we understand that in terms of the process of um you know the development of product creative product you first start with um the creation or ideation i gave this example earlier creation or ideation and then you move on to the actual production of the the product or service mm-hmm. and then dissemination and then eventually consumer mm-hmm. right we need to understand the services around there that, and that's mm-hmm. where value chain comes in mm-hmm. Gelemarang and I'll give a practical example of myself. Gelemarang um organization X comes to me. I need one for content. I need one a dressmaker, right? I need a makeup artist, I need a videographer, and these are people that I employ, right? Mm. Because I am this is a business. Mm. The same way laptops have different people, mm. you know, making them, for producing them, manufacturing yeah. them. Yeah, the different components of building this business that is Marang. Same thing musicians need to apply the same principles, you know. Um and then eventually dissemination, what does dissemination look like? It looks like having a marketing strategist or strategy if you can't afford, you know, someone specifically in marketing. The legalities, you know, you need to have an accountant. So, I think as artists it's imperative now more than ever to be able to see ourselves as businesses so that eventually we also can justify why we need the support that we need from a documentation point mm. this is what i come with this is my value and here are the stats and here are the numbers Marang, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us. We're definitely going to have uh, episode part two of this conversation. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. <laughs> think of yourself as a business. I yeah. think that's the quote that I'm getting uh, for the creatives as in the space or in industry. Thank you so much for joining us on the second episode of the Convo Lounge, Convo Lounge podcast. This is the Convo Lounge. Expression. Exposure. Experience.